We're Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. I want to thank you so much uh, for, for being here, and I want to thank the elders too just for entrusting me uh, with the privilege of preaching. It's such a great honor um, that I get to share what is on my heart today. And uh, for those of you who are new, James said, but also for those of you who maybe have not been here for a couple of weeks, we've been doing a series out of Psalms called A Heart's Cry. And Aidan started us off on the series a few weeks ago, speaking on a cry of intimacy. And basically what he was saying is that God wants to restore our hope in him. And that, you know, when we get saved, we're full of faith and we have so much hope but then, you know, life and its knocks um, can, can get us down a little bit, and we, we take our hope off of God and place it on other things. Um, but through an intimate relationship with Him, we have the ability to uh, be reminded that our hope needs to be in God. And then Steve uh, so beautifully spoke on the subject of lament, and uh, to his own admission was a subject that he actually had never prepared a message for. And it was the most incredible word about how God gives us permission to be real, how God gives us permission to grieve and to be at a place of sorrow and still uh, worship him. And he used that phrase, or we can weep while we worship. And then uh, last week, Mark spoke on a cry of thanksgiving or coming out of captivity and how we no longer are enslaved We now have the minds of Christ, and just as God ushers his presence into our lives, we are called to usher it into others. And so this morning, I'm going to be speaking on a cry of thanksgiving. And no, I'm not. I'm going to be speaking on a cry of praise. (laughs) Quickly. Um, (laughs) I'm going to be using uh, the word declare a lot. Just uh, pulling the similarities between what it means to praise, what it means to declare God's goodness. And I really feel like this Psalm 89 that I'm going to be speaking out of encourages us to declare the praises of God despite the circumstances we found ourselves in. And what it looks like to stand on who God is despite what seems to be unfulfilled. So with that being said... Would you guys turn to to Psalm 89, verse 1? I think it's going to be behind me, so you can read. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known. Through all generations I will declare that your love stands firm forever. That you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, that's important, you said... I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders. Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of our holy ones. For who in the sky above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord, God, almighty? 
You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. And now, just like that little gear shift just now, let's go to verse 38. But you have rejected, and you have spurned. You have been angry with your anointed one. You have renounced the covenant with your servant and have defiled his crown in the dust. You have broken through all his walls and reduced his strongholds to ruins. All who pass by have plundered him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. Indeed, you have turned back the edge of his sword and have not supported him in battle. You have put an end to his splendor and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with a mantle of shame. Now, what we are looking at appears to be two very contrasting pieces of scripture, right? Uh, full disclosure, when I first told Steve about the psalm I wanted to preach on, um, I only had read the first few verses. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> being diligent and doing my full preparation, I uh, began to read the rest of the psalm, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> but what actually appears to be contrasting is complementing. What we are looking at is that there is a, a piece of scripture that is faithful and a piece of scripture that is lamentful, grieving. The faithful declarations of God's nature and character is the very thing that emboldens the psalmist to go before God and ask him to show up. He finds himself in a circumstance that completely contradicts the promise. But because he knows God, he is able to question, where are you? When are you going to be who I know you to be? Let's read that. Verse 46. How long, Lord... How long, Lord? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how fleeting is my life. For what futility have you created all humanity? Who can live and not see death? Who can escape the power of the grave? Lord, where is your former great love? which in your faithfulness you swore to David. Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked, how I bear in my heart the taunts of all the nations, the taunts with which your enemies, Lord, have mocked, with which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. Praise be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. The psalmist is thought to be Ethan the Ezraite. Now, he was a cymbal player in the courts of David. This was a personal thing for him. He had been witness to the promise, 
and he is witnessing what is contradicting the promise. The psalmist is imploring God to show his great love and his faithfulness again. The kingdom literally is in ruins. But he knows God does not lie. He knows God does not change. And because he knows that, he knows the promise is sealed. What we are invited to witness is a scripture we know all too well from Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The psalmist is living out the true meaning of faith. That's what he's doing. But he's doing it first by declaring the praise of his God. The nature of God. He's building his faith in order that he can keep fighting despite what he sees. How many of us find ourselves in that situation right now? Can I hear an amen? (laughs) If you are part of this anthem family, this beautiful anthem family, I know for sure you are experiencing this very thing. One of the things God has promised us as as a church family is to see huge impact into the city. We have seen impact, but it is not what we believe God has for us. And so despite our circumstances, we stand and we contend and we fight for the impact that God has promised Anthem Church to have, however that looks. Secondly, and this may be stretching for you to hear, but we live in a broken world. And God doesn't always do what we ask him to do. In his sovereignty, his timing, and his perfect will, He knows what's best. Personally, for me, some of you know that I've been struggling with neck and back issues for a really long time. Uh, Part of it was because I made a silly decision in college, which I will not be elaborating on. (laughs) And (laughs) secondly, and it's not what you think, actually. Secondly is that I have a degenerative disc disease, which happens to be um, my mommy shared. She shared her disc disease with me. (laughs) Sorry, not funny. Um, (laughs) What I'm trying to say is that for 20-something years, I have been going up for prayer for my back and my neck. And with each time, I build my faith up, and I believe God will touch me and he will heal me. And others have come around me with such faith, and they want it sometimes more than I do because they love me. But God, in his sovereignty, has has not healed me yet. And I will still trust, and I will still go up for prayer, and I will bring my faith to his faith, because I know his faith is bigger than mine. As he prompts me, I will follow. But the reality is that we live in a broken world. We know the truth, we know the promise, but we also live in the reality of circumstances. Thirdly, as an anthem family, we are in a season of audacious faith. Quite frankly, there are times I feel completely terrified at what we are trusting God for. But this week we were sharing, Steve and I, and we were just saying we can't go back. Even if we wanted to, we know with all of our hearts 
that God has called us on this journey of trusting for our own space. We wouldn't be able to. We wouldn't be able to not do it, as terrifying as it is. And so that is just what we are facing as Anthem family. That's not touching on the individual promises that I know you guys are holding on to. Some of you we have walked with for 12, 14 years, waiting for God to fulfill his promise. And we will keep waiting, and we will keep contending until we stand and celebrate what God has done in your lives. Before we carry on, I just want to give you a little bit of context of the psalm because I believe it sets us up well for the applications. And number one was psalms were meant to be heard out aloud. I think you guys already know that. And there's reason in that because when we speak out aloud, we are declaring. We're declaring what we do not see. We declare it to ourselves and we declare it to others. Verse 1 says, With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness. I will declare that your love stands firm forever. The definition of declare is to make known, state clearly, and I'm, I'm sure you're with me on this, that there are times in our lives when we need to state what we do not see. We need to declare to ourselves what we do not see. That in itself is faith, declaring what we do not see. The very act of declaration is how the psalmist prepares his heart to stand upon the truth despite what he sees. It is through the praise of God's attributes and his nature that he does it. And the definition of praise is the act of expressing approval or admiration. And he encourages us to do the same. In verse 15, he says, Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you. And the definition of acclaim is to welcome or salute the shout with shouts and sounds of joy and approval. We see a common thread, declaration with our mouths, acclamation and praise. Lead us into a place of rejoicing in the nature and attributes of God despite the unfulfilled promise. Secondly, context, we need to make note that this is a masculine psalm. Are you impressed, baby? Did you hear that? (laughs) A masculine psalm, (laughs) sorry, a masculine psalm is actually a psalm that is meant to be heard and applied. It is a psalm of wisdom. Now, unlike the other psalms that have been spoken about these last few weeks in our series, they they were psalms that were like poetry and songs that were expressed out aloud and meant to be enjoyed and meant to be there to encourage people. But this psalm is a masculine psalm. We are meant to read it, hear it, and apply it. There is wisdom in what the psalmist is saying. Uh, Ethan the Ezraite, who wrote this psalm, or who is thought to have written this psalm, 
um, was, was a very wise man. And uh, I read in the commentaries that Solomon actually was compared to this man. So he is a man of wisdom. It's not just written as an outpouring. We are encouraged to meditate and allow God to impart wisdom through it. If we are to take heed and apply wisdom, we are to emulate the psalmist and respond. And with that, I speak about my first application, and that is, in the midst of contradicting circumstances to the promise, we declare with our mouths out aloud the nature and attributes of who God is. And some of these attributes that I pulled out from the scripture was his great love, He is mighty. His faithfulness surrounds us. He rules. He crushes. His strong arm scatters our enemies. He founded the world and all that is in it. He created. His arm is endowed with power. His hand is strong. His right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. His love and faithfulness go before us. The reason we declare his attributes is because God's attributes are everlasting. The reference in the first few verses were they were established in heaven itself. The heavens have been there forever. As long as the heavens have been there, so is God and his attributes. They are everlasting. And the psalmist knows that as he declares them, he can stand firm on them because they will never change. He knows God does not change. His nature and his character is the only assurance that he has. This psalm was written in the same time as it was finished. It began in the same time as it was finished. And in that time, the kingdom was in ruins. The very promise that they are referring to is the promise in 2 Samuel 7, where God said to David, your throne, your lineage will be everlasting. Now we know that. He died without seeing the fulfillment of that. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. But he knows because of who God is, because of who his nature is, because he's everlasting, that that promise is sealed. And he goes before God and he holds him to it. Psalm 41 verse 13 says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. 1 Chronicles 16 verse 36 says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. Psalm 119 verse 142 says, Your righteousness is everlasting. His declarations of praise and where he placed his hope was the difference between waiting in faith and giving up. I'm going to say that again. The declarations of praise on who God was, his everlasting nature, where he placed his hope, was the difference between being able to wait in faith or give up. This revelation became real to me a year ago when I came face to face with the reality that just because I serve Jesus means that I will never face trauma 
or pain or loss. For those of you who don't know, our daughter Hannah in February 2018 had a potentially fatal brain bleed spontaneously in her dorm room alone which could have killed her if God had not intervened miraculously and tangibly and practically. God moved miraculously. The story is too long to tell you. I wish I had time. But you can actually go online to our podcasts around that time, February 8th, and you can hear the story. I was in awe of God that he moved and he saved her. We were so grateful, but it also left me completely traumatized. Because for some reason, and I don't know when it happened, I had taken my hope off of who God was and placed it on this unfounded reality that because I serve him, because I've given my life to him, to serve him and his kingdom, that nothing bad would ever happen to me. God didn't spare us the nightmare of potentially losing one of our children. He walked closely with us every step of the way but he did not spare us. I was left asking him, Lord, why? If this can happen, I remember standing in my kitchen about to fall over in Steve's arms and just saying, if he can do this or allow this to happen, what else is he going to allow? What else? I don't know if I could take another thing like this. I don't know. God didn't leave me at that place. He gently lifted my head and reminded me that there was something better. That he, the person of who he was, would never, ever let me down. And he would never forsake me. He did not guarantee that nothing bad would happen. And I wish I could tell you, I wish I could stand here and say, nothing bad will happen. But Scripture does not guarantee it. What Scripture guarantees is the everlasting nature of God. That is our only hope. And we so easily become lost and we place our hope on things that God does not say we should. Our assurance is in Him and only in Him. I realize that if God was for me, If he loved me, if he knew me, if he promised grace to me, and he promised to never forsake me, at that moment I knew that whatever awaited me, I would be okay. And peace returned. My only assurance was in his character, his nature, and his attributes his great love, his might, his power, his incredible faithfulness, his rulership, his reign, his strength, his righteousness, his justice. That is the God whom my hope is in. When I was praying for this time, it's been an interesting week for me because 
the times that I have been preaching before, it's normally on a subject that I have walked through. Um, This is something I feel like I'm right in the middle of. I'm slap bang in the middle of what it looks like to contend. And I was praying for today, and I felt that if I was feeling this, there may be some others, but I felt like there were people in this room that were battle-weary, that you've been standing and holding on to promises for a long time and are walking in a season of what I have now termed faith fatigue. It's a reality. It's something that I've been walking through this whole year, coming out of what we came out of in 2018. We've been contending for some things for a really long time. I'm going to speak a little vulnerably, but I felt like I needed to, because this thing of faith fatigue is very real. Steve and I are absolutely privileged to lead the team that brings leadership to Anthem Church. But leadership has not come without its challenges. Many of them have left us battle-weary. It feels like, at times, we've been contending for so long. At various times over the last 15 years, Steve and I have come before the Lord, asking him to strengthen us, to keep contending for the promise and also strengthen us to do the work. We love the work. We honestly love what we do. But there is a reality to some of the things we have to face. There's opposition in our own lives, broken relationships, our own trauma, and that of others, people's pain and their hardships, We feel and we carry each one. With each church plant, each family that steps into what God has had for them, a little piece of our heart goes with them. And there's times where there's this deep sense of loneliness where we've had to say goodbye to our closest friends. There's been times when I've had to watch my husband weep because he's so weary of fighting. Some of these battles are for the very best reasons. And I know I'm crying, but... I really love what I do, I promise. (laughs) In these battles, we are still assured of the call. We are still convinced of his majesty. We are still in awe of his goodness. But with it comes weariness. In prayer today, I was crying out for God to show himself, 
to be who he is. And it was almost, it was an interesting place. I, I felt, I was praying this morning, and I was like, okay, I need to pray that people are able to contend. And God just said to me, actually, pray for breakthrough. Pray for breakthrough. And so, yes, we are going to have some time to pray for those who are contending. But honestly, my heart is so full of faith for breakthrough in the areas that we are holding on to, in the areas that we are contending for. God knows them. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Thank you. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I have chatted with the elders and we felt we wanted to create an opportunity to respond to God this morning. The Holy Spirit is able to do more in a moment, in a moment, than we can try and achieve over years if we give him access. We learned through the series that God wants to restore our hope in him. Verse, uh, series one, verse week one. Week two, we can weep while we worship. We can be real with God. We can come up here and say, God, I'm tired. I know you're good. I know you're faithful. But I'm tired. Strengthen me. And we do it from a place of knowing we have the minds of Christ. We are no longer captive. God is speaking anthem. He's preparing us. He's doing a work in us. When we come forward, let's give him access. I would like to invite those who are battle-weary for contending, those who maybe have felt that their hope has been misplaced, or those who just need to feel the arms of the Father. As we respond, maybe the worship team can come up and just get ready. I felt specifically to position ourselves to receive from God, and the way I felt to do that was to first declare who he is. And so we're going to go back into that song, The Victory is Yours, and we're going to position ourselves out of a place of saying, God, I know who you are. You are good. You ride on the storm. And then as we worship, I'm trusting that God will minister to you, but we're also going to have the team, and James will, will uh, orchestrate that, but we're going to have the team for those of you who feel that you still need prayer. As we declare, acclaim, and praise a God who never lies and place our hope in him, let's trust that he strengthens us in the waiting and the contending 
And let's trust this morning for breakthrough. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.